Some call me Steve, Dad, Husband or Friend. Others might call me Boss, Coach or Mentor. Today you can call me the Leadership Hacker. Thanks for listening in, I really appreciate it. My job as the Leadership Hacker is to hack into the minds, experiences, habits and learning of great leaders, C-suite executives, authors and development experts so that I can assist you developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake, I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. Today's special guest is Dr. Bob Nelson. He's the world's leading authority on employee recognition, motivation, and engagement. Dr. Bob has authored over 30 books, which have collectively sold over 5 million copies. Before we get a chance to speak with Bob, it's the Leadership Hacker News. In the news today, we're going to explore how social media can really make a difference to any business of any kind, anywhere. So we're going to look at a fast food joint went from a local eatery to internet stardom thanks to iconic memes and a catchy theme tune. Now this is a story of Binley Mega Chippy. Now for those that are in North America and around the world, a chip shop in England is a place where you go to buy French fries and fast food. It started out as an unassuming local fast food joint and it's now arguably the most famous fast food joint on the planet. For years it was just like any other English eatery serving french fries, chips, fish, and of course, other really unhealthy deep fried foods. It's not particularly attractive to look at. It's a vision of red and gold, but it's a reliable oasis to many people in and around Coventry. But the internet's taken Binley Mega Chippy and turned it into a TikTok fiesta for culinary destination for anybody visiting this part of England. Owner Kamal Gandhi, 70 years old, now has a huge number of customers, some of who apparently travelled from as far as France, America and even Australia. So how did this local chip shop go from a small fry to a huge gastronomic location of choice? Well the first mention of Bingley Mega Chippy hit the internet in just 2009 and it was a simple kind of nod to here's where we are and what we do. Fast forward to 2022, Bingley Mega Chippy began to appear but still continued on relative obscurity, not knowing what's to come. Viral hysteria hit the fast food outlet in 2022 when it featured in the slideshow of multiple UK fast food joints and TikTok in April. Its first month, there were 82,000 views and 11,000 likes. Fast forward now, millions and millions of people are using this as a backdrop to other memes and are joining in with the chant of the song Decades of research and millions of dollars and pounds of advertising have shown that society loves a good jingle and it helps sell a product. And the same appears to be true for fast food outlets. On the 25th of May, Bingley Mega Chippy Fan 53 posted just a 10 second clip with a static picture with a Bingley Mega Chippy jingle. Now, for obvious marketing reasons, I'm not able to play that for you now. I'm sure you can find it if you choose to. That short clip now has just over 2 million views and has spawned various spin offs and remixes. And now, Hashtag Bingley Mega Jibby has over 500 million views and naturally people have been visiting it from all over. So, having fun, bit of jingle, the power of the internet can change the lives of anyone. And good luck to Kamal Gandhi and his store. Wish him all the success. The Leadership Hack here is 
Marketing could be as simple as a 10 second clip. It could be something that you say and do. What makes a difference is that emotional connection. So the next time you're communicating a message or you're building a story or you're creating an internal marketing campaign or external, is it going to hit those real emotional keys to get people stirred into emotional action? That's been Leadership Hacker News. Let's dive into the show. Dr. Bob Nelson is a special guest on today's show. He's a multi-million bestseller author of 1001 Ways to Engage Employees. His latest book, Work Made Fun Gets Done. He's also the president of Nelson Motivation Inc., one of the world's leading authorities on employee recognition and engagement. And Bob's published over 31 books and sold over 5 million copies and been translated in over 30 languages. Dr. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Steve. I'm really looking forward to getting into this because I remember the first time you and I met when you also then started to think about there's over 15,000 ways to reward employees and over a thousand and one ways to engage employees. It was a bit of a kind of a journey for me to get my head around those numbers. So I'm delighted that we get a chance to dive into some of them, not all of them today. Excellent. Before we do that, Bob, let's give our listeners a little bit of a backstory if you like on the journey that is taking you to where you are today well 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 i've always been a writer uh and going back to high school i remember my english teacher passing out papers and she stopped at my desk and she overhead she weighed my paper i said best paper in in five classes and i was kind of embarrassed and surprised and went back and reread it and you know and I, I just got the message that I could uh, I could write, and so that's always been a, a, a backdrop for me. And I published my first book when I was 21, a uh, guide on on job hunting, and have uh, just recently finished my 31st book. So uh, it's a hard it's a hard activity, but uh, I uh, somehow keep coming back to it. I guess like a moth to a flame. <laughs> Yeah. And do you think that moment in that English class when that teacher kind of gave you that that feedback at that time, do you think that was a catalyst for you at that point? Well, it's, it's certainly anytime someone gives you feedback, I think it we, we all need to see how other people see us. And it's it's if it's in a positive light, uh, then that's good news. You need to you need to hold on to that one. And and I think, you know, life. John Lennon said, uh, "Life's life's what happens when you're making other plans. So you got to work into the plans what uh, people tell you you're good at, and then of course what you things that you enjoy doing is, is important as well. So yeah. I think finding one's career is. Uh, Mark Twain said the two most important uh, days in anyone's life is the day they're born, and then." Secondly, the day they find out why. So That's I, think, yeah. I think it's an ongoing journey for each of us to say, what was I meant to be here for? And and if you get um, clues from those around you who give you feedback, you, you need to hold on to those and listen to those. And so uh, I've, I feel uh, fortunate for uh, the career I've had. I've been blessed with having worked with some um true experts each of which i've learned from but uh i i uh, uh ken blanchard um i went to work for he published the one minute manager which has sold 14 million copies and so i learned a lot from him about selling books and and um i got my 
PhD from working with Peter Drucker, the father of modern management. Yeah. And um, I'm currently a, a personal coach for uh, Marshall Goldsmith, who's the number one um, voted executive coach in the world. That's right. So yeah. I've been very, very blessed to have some some great people to to learn from and lean on and uh, that uh, I like I like passing it on to others when I can. Yeah. And we're going to pass that on for sure today. You know, I heard something that I probably read it. You'd coached or had worked with something like 80% of the Fortune 500 companies. Is that right? I I, I have. Yes. Wow. And over you know, spanning 25 years, you, yeah. you get you get around and um, that, that included I did a, just not that long ago, wrapped up a six-month project working for the United Nations. So that was uh, a fun, fun activity. So, you know, life takes you in a lot of interesting places. And if you can go with, go for the ride, it's uh, usually pretty enticing. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I found, I found anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely so. So you've managed to find a real niche or a passion, if you like, for employee recognition and engagement. What was that defining moment for you when you realized actually this is the thing that really excites you and, and makes you tick and others tick as well? Well, again, uh, to me, it's piecing together the pieces. I, I was taking a graduate school class and we were talking about it was a control systems class. Uh, and uh, Professor was talking about the... Um, informal control systems and uh he made the offhand comment that has proven as the principle for informal reinforcement is there hasn't been a lot of application in the business world and i i remember thinking <laughs> i'm gonna do something about that <laughs> and actually uh that evening after my hour and a half drive home from graduate school class in los angeles i I typed out a letter to a president of a publishing firm in New York City and sent it overnight and spent two weeks trying to get him on the phone. And I finally I could hear his, his assistant say, this guy keeps calling. Would you talk to him? <laughs> and and literally the, the president of the company goes, what do you want? Answers the phone like that. And I said, well, my is my name. And I sent you a letter about a book. And he cut me off. And he said, you sent us a letter about a book? We'll, we'll never do a book based on a letter you sent us. You have to do a proposal for of, of the uh, 70,000 books that are published this year, that year anyway, um, why yours has to be one of them and why we're the only publisher who could possibly do it right. And, and literally as he's hanging up, he goes, and by the way, we get 10,000 proposals a year. We publish 24 books. Click. <laughs> and and nice. I I could have said, well, well, you know, gave it a try. But I said, hey, game on. Time to do a proposal. <laughs> so maybe there's a lesson there. You know, don't yeah. don't, don't accept defeat. Uh, did you go back to this guy, though? I did, actually. <laughs> I, I did yeah. the proposal. I got an agent. And then next time I met with him, I was sitting across from him, though. I, I flew to New York at my own expense. And um, he had the proposal in front of him. And he and he opened it up and um, my agent had said, well, you'd be, it'd be helpful if you could lay out a few pages. So what it was actually looks like. I go, well, I explained it. That should be good enough. No, no, no. It would be help, help people visualize it. So I did that. And then, then she said, well, be, could you do a few more? I go, oh, come on. And so I did a few more and, 
And darn if uh, what I'm seeing across from him, he, he doesn't open the proposal to those pages. And he goes, this could work. The guy was very visual. Yeah. Uh, Peter Workman was his name. He's a creative genius. And, and he only did books that uh, where he, he personally saw that it could work. Didn't, didn't care your background, your, didn't care uh, the idea. Does he see it? Does he see what, what you what you see? And so now he's still on the project. He still doesn't know about me. Yeah. And so he, he turns his attention to me and starts asking me questions. I go, I go well, I'm an, an administrator for this company in San Diego. And, but that's not what I really want to do. And he goes, what do you really want to do? And I said, be a best-selling author. And I could see a little twinkle in his eye and done deal. And that was uh, <laughs> from there. Yeah. Yeah, they they sent me to 27 markets at a time when that wasn't really done anymore. And in the first, uh, gosh, I think in the, in the first two months, the book sold 40,000 copies. Wow. Which is yeah. stunning and as a business book. And, and now it's in its 64th printing and sold over 2 million copies. That's amazing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a, a lot of people ask me about the, the book story because there's a lot of books out there, over a million uh, books are published a year now. When this book came out, 70,000. Now it's a million books a year are published yeah. each year. And that's with self-publishing and Amazon and you name it. And and there's not more readers, but there's a lot more books. Yeah. So And there's still an opportunity for the same folk to, you know, face into the resilience you did, get in front of people and say, look, you know, if you've got a compelling story, let's just tell it because there will be people who want to read and listen. Yes. Yes. It's, it's definitely uh, more difficult because it's, it's more constrained. And for a typical publisher, the first thing they want to know is what's your platform? What, what vehicle do you have to reach people, you know, in, in terms of number of uh, followers and, yeah. or do you do you speak, do you do public speaking or are you in media? You know, are you on TV every night? Uh, you know, all that kind of goes in the mix. And as a result, just, uh, just a few books get published. I remember when I published my book, which is probably about six years ago, having the same conversation with an agent. And at the time I was starting out on my entrepreneurial career or a few years into it and having this, this kind of light bulb moment that felt I'm not worthy because I haven't got a, a million followers on Instagram and I haven't got all <laughs> yeah. of this. But you know what I had was something that was interesting. Yeah, imposter uh, syndrome. Oh, totally. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta trust your, trust Definitely. your gut. And I, I had, I think, I think I, uh, my, my uh, moment of of uh, doubt was uh, once. So I knew I could write, but then I, my trying to understand my motivations for writing that actually. Uh, that cost me a couple of years because I, I, I couldn't uh, had a hard time sorting. Why, why do you want to do this? Is it, is it uh, to be, make money to be, to, is it for fame? Is it to help people? And, and uh, yeah, that, that really had me in a, in a bind trying to sort that. <laughs> and I finally decided it's for all those reasons. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I want to help people, but yes, if I, if I make money from it, I could help more people because I could, you know, get the book a wider audience and, and that's uh, so. I've never quite looked back from that that point. I've I've uh, uh, have done, um, like I said, I've done thirty one books, and each one is writing is difficult. It's very hard. It's it's exposing your your mental thoughts to the world, and man, you better be braced to <laughs> take the take the feedback. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and so, um, but um, 
I've had good success and I love helping other people uh, with the same, the same journey because there, there are a lot of uh, good messages to go out there and a lot of messages that, that could help others. And if you have one like that, um, you deserve to be in print. Very much so. Yeah. And then your last book, Work Made Fun Gets Done. It's one of those titles <laughs> that when you read it, you go, yeah, that's absolutely true. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody buys into it. Yet we also find that that doesn't happen everywhere. And <laughs> that some people go to work and it's not fun. Uh, well, some, most, most people actually. What did you find out in your research? I, I find uh, so my my books. The uh, I, I tend to to favor kind of proven truths or maybe obvious truths that yet aren't are not obvious in practice. And so um, the latest book, Work Made Fun Gets Done, is one of those. It's part of the mix on having motivated employees and, and staying with the job over time. And the younger employees, 59% of millennials say they want to have fun at work. So as more and more workers are from that age group, almost 75% now, you know, it's a topic you've got to take seriously as a company. What are we doing to make sure that um, people are, are having fun while at work? Now, 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 if you're a cynical or old line manager, it's, the answer is simple. Go, hey, here's an idea. They can worry about that on the weekend. <laughs> We're paying them to work, goddammit. You know, and, and so make... Yeah. There's still a lot of those around, unfortunately. Yes, there are. So you got to say, well, I can see where you would you would think that, and that makes a lot of sense. But let me tell you, have you looked at your exit exit interviews? Why people are leaving? You know, or let me tell on the positive side. Let me tell you, for this book, we did research. We looked at the hundred best places to work in America, and we dug in their data. We found that that uh, one of the, one of the variables they ask about. Is this a fun place to work? And for those companies that work for one of the 100 best companies to work for in America, 82% of their employees, when surveyed, said that they work where they work is a fun work environment. And we contrast that to those companies that applied for that award but didn't receive it. Only 61% said it was a fun place to work. That that 20 point differential was actually one of the largest in their in their database on sorting uh, successful companies from also ran so if you want to look at the positive uh, data that supports um, making fun a serious part of your business it's there and uh, that's why uh, you know uh, a lot of companies have have um, have even made it a core value of their of their firm like best buy it's their number one uh, core value is have fun while being the best or jet blue yeah. number four linkedin number six uh, uh mercedes-benz number three so it's it's uh workday number five so it's uh not everybody but a lot of companies are staking it out saying yes yes we we uh, we agree this should be a, a core value for what we do every day. And if we do that, if we do that well, then um, guess what? People will pass it on to their their the customer and to the, their colleagues, and it'll be easier to come to work because you're enjoying who you're working with and who you're serving, and, and just everything will go will go um, more swimmingly. You know? So yeah. it's a it's a it's a simple it's a simple thing, but not common sense, not common practice. An observation uh, first made by. <laughs> Voltaire in 1640. <laughs> those those things that are, are common sense are not very common, he said. 
Yeah. <laughs> and hey, wise words. Still, eh? still true. Goodness still me. true today. So, and there's also a direct correlation to revenue here as well, isn't there? So the companies you just mentioned are all profitable, high revenue generative businesses. Yes, 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 they are. And so it's a flip side of, uh, you know, um, if if work is fun. It's going to be more profitable. If it's more profitable, then of course it's more fun, and we're able to pay people better and have better benefits. And so it's it's kind of a, a chicken and egg type thing. I know what what comes first. We we think that uh, just make sure it's part of the mix. It doesn't have to don't have to start with that. But uh, and and increasingly, we share stories in the book about how people found their way to this. Like like the president of Belmont College in Nashville, Tennessee, he did a. Uh, year sabbatical where he examined high-performing companies and he came back and he said uh, uh, number one thing he learned is that all every place he examined uh, high-performance companies they were all fun places and so he said we got to have more fun here and he immediately created a fun committee and and uh, (laughs) volunteers and charged them with the do fun things, you know, find out what needs to be celebrated and, and work it into our culture on the, And uh, so had a group and focused on that, maybe gave them some budget. And, and when there is a, a time uh, uh, the morale is low or we have a, we have a good news to celebrate. Let's, let's do that very well. Let's, let's do it as a group. Let's do it as a team. Let's do it individually. And that's what, um, that's what they do. And, and or mm-hmm. I'll tell you another company I, I uh, I was in uh, Seattle years ago. I was presenting to 800 people, and this person in the front row. I go, "You look really familiar." And she goes, and "She goes, yeah, yeah. I I met you six weeks ago when you were speaking here before. I here I'm back in Seattle again after six weeks, and and uh, I had to come tell you what happened." I go, "Well, tell me what happened." And she worked for a company. She went. She said, "I left. I left your presentation with one thing in mind." I said, "This is real." It's happening. I'm going to do it. I'm not asking permission. I'm, I'm doing it <laughs> because I believe in it. And that's what she did. I, I said, well, what'd you do? She said, I did a bunch of stuff. Like I, I, we, we, I created a happiness committee in my, in my department. And it had uh, three members of it. No one knew who they were, but any one of them could say it's time to do something. I go, well, something like what? She goes, well, we, we held a picnic up on the roof in downtown Seattle to celebrate, uh, or we, we bartered uh, meeting space with a company on the next block that was a limo company. So now we have limo rides we can give people for letting them meet in our, in our meeting space once a month and, and on and on. They just, uh, you know, didn't start with a big budget, started with some creativity and some fun and, and it and I, well, what what difference did it make? And she goes, it had a stunning difference. <laughs> People could see it. It, it changed yeah. how they came to work. And, and she said, I had other managers saying. What are you doing in your department? Your people are so excited. You're so you're on fire. You go, hey, come to the next meeting. We're not we don't have any secrets here. <laughs> and it just it just grew organically. And uh, uh, you know, and, and now now she's giving me part of the story. So I went back and I wrote it up and I put it in the press. So now I'm getting external validation for what she's doing internally. Well, fast forward uh, 18 months from that the first day I, I I met that that woman that company Perkins Coy a law firm of all things entered the best places to work in America number 23 on the list amazing I would contend from one person one person standing up not at the top sometimes we feel that only the CEO can make a difference you know but so in the middle she was a, a finance manager in one department and I, I would I would suggest that she personally converted that culture 
and made it more more uh, recognition savvy, where people felt more valued for the work they were doing every day. Uh, anyone listening can make that same thing happen where you work. Uh, Great you can, story. You can start. Yeah. You can start the. You could light the fuse. It doesn't have to all be on you, but you can get it going and get going in your your walk in your realm of influence, whatever position you have, and and uh, invite other people on board, and you can make something happen. It's because fun is infectious. So too is misery, by the way. <laughs> and I suspect, you know, that's why, you know, you get that dichotomy between different firms, different teams and in different organizations. But if you were giving some advice to our listeners today who uh, may be thinking around, yeah, I want to take some of this fun and energy and ideas forward. But I know that I'm going to bump into maybe a stuffy boss or a stuffy culture. How do you think that would be the best way to maybe break into that? Uh, one or two approaches, either ignore that and, and make it happen anyway for the people that are interested. So even if the boss isn't interested, um, get it going with others. Or the second thing is make a personal appeal to the your boss and say, this is why I like to do it or why we, we should do it and, and try to sell them on being on board. Or this let's try it. Let's try it for a month. Let's try it for three months. Let's do a pilot program because i think you know i think for example that if we did this it would impact our our turnover rate which it will by the way yeah <laughs> if you create a culture of recognition where people are valued for what they're doing uh research indicates you can you will be seven times more likely to hold on to your your people if they feel they're in an environment where where people are are celebrated and thanked for doing a good job, as simple as that, seven times, seven times for their career, by the way, not just for another for another six months, another another year, that they will uh, once they feel that they will want to stay working for your company for their career. So yeah. that's the price of admission right there. Right now we're right, in, yeah. the, in the midst of the great resignation where at least in America, four and a half million people a month are leaving their, their positions. This has been for uh, uh, the last uh, 18 months straight, four and a half million a month are leaving their positions. Um, and often they find another position and now they're leaving that one you know? okay. So because they're in search of a place that, uh, you know, the pandemic taught us anything. It's like, you know, life is life is short and unpredictable. You better better have have a good job now. Better enjoy what you're doing now. And and uh, so uh, maybe what a lot of them realize that what they're doing, it's it's not worth uh what they're being paid for and they're not getting any joy from it and they they hate their their job they hate their boss and time to, to yeah. go to seek out something that's uh more meaningful to them that that gives them makes them feel they're part of something larger than themselves or where they can have pride in working there and enjoy the people they're working with and who they're serving the, those jobs are out there and and they are they're plentiful and so if you if you hold your sights to uh that type of standard uh, you you will find it. I I uh, uh, of course you have to have the 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 skill the skill set. Um, so it's a mix, um, clarity of, of purpose and, and mission. But I, I know people, for example, like I worked with Walt Disney World for 15 years, and I met people that that moved to Orlando, Florida, because they had to work with this company, had to work for this company, and they got there and they didn't care what the job was. They had to be a part of this organization. They'll pick up trash in the yeah. in the park, you know. Right. But, and that's, maybe they started there, but they quickly moved on uh, on up. And and uh, man, oh man, because uh, 
people are, are treated right and then they 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 uh, blossom and then you get more of, of them and their best thinking and and then all of a sudden you got a career so um it's it can be uh, frustrating for people that are that feel that they're in a, a dead-end position or or a position they don't enjoy how do i get to to uh, a different area from where i'm at but you know maybe that starts in the current job you have right maybe look at that differently and and how can you uh, because you can, a lot of times you can get to the job you want, starting with the one you have, and, and start to to ask for responsibilities or or uh, make it known what things you're interested in doing, and and that might be a selection for uh, responsibilities and assignments, especially for a small company. They've got they need people to wear many hats, you know, and and so there's more uh, flexibility and, and variety that you, you can uh, help morph your job towards what you want to be doing. Yeah. You mentioned reward and recognition as being a key component of that fun, and you cited that that law firm's growth was one of the reasons that they focused on was kind of how they they step into recognition. And when you think of the subject and the notion of recognition, most organisations typically have a recognition program which could have, you know, e cards and buttons and gifts and yes. Years of service awards, but it's way more than that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's but often it's they're doing stuff, but it's not the stuff that matters to people. Right. So I, I've never met an employee that, you know, stayed another day at work to get their ten-year pin. You know, it's sort of like it's it's so uh, along the way the, the topic was started in the incentive industry with people trying to move merchandise, and this is another way if we can get you know people to buy, uh, you know. Uh, gifts for employees and we'll sell a lot more merchandise and that's kind of how the market started and and uh, for many companies that's where it ended too so it never really really got to the, the motivations it got to uh hey you get you get stuff you know and it becomes really a money substitute to get points or, or gift cards uh to be thanked for for a job well done. So that's, that's fine, but it's, that's a limited view on this topic because I, I, I tend to find that the most powerful motivators are things that don't cost money at all. Yeah. So a personal thank you or being part of a team or being asked your opinion, being allowed to pursue an idea you have, uh, being thanked certainly when you do do a good job or for helping someone else. Um, and if you make a mistake, you know, it's easy to criticize someone that makes a mistake. You know, they already usually know they did something wrong. Why don't you embrace it and say, hey, what did you learn from that? That's the more important thing here. And and uh, take the long-term view of the relationship instead of being critical in the short term, being be supportive in the long term. You know, Bill Gates, um, former chairman of Microsoft, he once said, you could tell a lot about the long-term viability of any organization simply by looking at how they handle mistakes yeah because if you embarrass people and and in front of their peers and and uh make them want to quit they probably will and 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 yet it's an opportunity to take a long-term view and to and to say we're bigger than this than that and and that's a good that's good news you made that mistake because that's the best training you'll have all year i'm glad you made it and see what else other people can learn from it it's a fundamental difference in in a, in a simple choice that comes up daily, really. Culture plays a massive part in this. And I think what I heard you talk about directly and indirectly was the, those organizations who have 
fun embedded into their values, embedded into their culture, their employer brand, have a better chance at not only acquisition, but also retention. Yes. And they, they got to the, you know, maybe they, they didn't start with that. Maybe they, they put it on the table as right. a core value, but it's working the value to say, what does that look like in practice? And if we were having more fun, what how would things be different? And maybe they'd say, well, maybe upper management would be more involved. I, I worked with, uh, uh, in California, the, the pension fund teachers pension fund of california which is a which is a nine billion trillion dollar fund yeah and they brought me in a consultant and sure enough they were they had very little recognition and when i brought the topic up they go oh no we can't do that stuff because you know we're a public entity i go really that's what's holding you back from doing the right thing yes yes it is we 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 got to think about something we might do might end up in the front front um, the headlines of, of the newspaper and and uh, that, that will not be appropriate our fiduciary responsibilities I go well just hold on a minute <laughs> what if I brought you a, a list of other federal state and local governments that are doing this type of stuff what exactly they're doing uh, the legislative authority they have to do it <laughs> and and uh, the contact information. And they go, that would be very interesting. And I, and I created that, uh, you know, it was like a 20 page list and uh, gave it, they took it into a board meeting. They came out and they said, we're doing it. Good. And they started yeah. and started investing in, in uh, low cost ways to thank people. In fact, one of the first things they did out of the shoot, this is a great, this is a state government. Okay. They, they decided to make a music video <clears throat> that they, they, they had their, their senior managers all sign up to to be in a music video to talk about the the changes they're making in the direction of the firm. It was an enormous hit, you know, because people saw that their their leadership was was coming, you know, was now part of them and helping lead the charge. And it, it was very exciting and it was very fun. It is often a mindset shift for some of the senior executives in these firms and organizations, isn't it? It, it has to be. It has to be, yeah. So it's it's okay if you're not comfortable with something, but if you you know if you have if you have the logic, if you have the data, especially if you have the data from your own employees, where you know why they're leaving or what would make them stay. You know, right now one of the big things is is on um, on uh, flexible working hours and ability to work from home. God, we've got enormous enormous uh, data on this. Thirty six percent of employees said that they would. They would um, skip a pay increase if they could if they have the ongoing flexibility to work from home. Forty percent said they would. You can give them a pay cut yeah. if they you know, you give them the flexibility and the time to work from home because because they uh, that that's more enjoyable to them. It's it's more convenient for their life. That not even counting the you know the commute time. You know the hour or two hours or three hours that they have to waste a day to get to. A, central office and, and to get ready for that and and you know besides saving that time they've got more control over their life and they can work work into and 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 you know and you want the data it's like overwhelmingly people that are allowed to work from home are more productive yeah. and I've, I've tracked this with my own employees i had people log their time that turned out to be twice as productive you know, I could see the work, the results they got because they weren't interrupted. There wasn't the socializing that they were able to dig in further and get more done. And and so it's all, it all makes sense. What what holds a lot of companies back is is um, uh, you know senior manager saying, "Well, that's not what I'm used to," you know, or if I can't see them, I don't know they're working. Or 
or the, the CEO of uh, JP Morgan in New York City finance firm said, if you can go out to, to dinner in New York City, you can come to the office and, and work in New York City. So, okay, well, that's a, that's a point. It's a narrow-minded point, but, you, you know, I guess if you pay people enough, you can force them to do anything. And so, but um, over, over four and a half million people moved out of New York City during the pandemic because if they can, if they, if they, because when we shifted to allowing people to work from home, if all of a sudden they didn't have to be in New York City anymore. So they went went to work in in a smaller town or where their family's from. And a lot of um, Zoom towns popped up, you know, where people uh, preferred to live. If they can live anywhere, they're going to go live in Bend, Oregon. They're going to live in, uh, you know, yeah. in, uh, in places that the, they can enjoy living more. They can work from anywhere. And and uh, and people are holding on to that. Sixty five percent of employees that had a chance to work from home during the pandemic said they want to continue uh, that flexibility. It worked better for them. It was more productive. Uh, and and if they if they're forced to come in, which is kind of the dance we're in right now, where companies are saying, no, you have to come back to the office. Fortunately, uh, only four percent of companies have said everyone has to come back five days a week. But, uh, you know, half the people say you have to come back, you know, at least three days a week and uh, the other half are, have more flexibility. So my, my wife's a virtual employee. She has to come in one day a week, you know, and, and that's uh, kind of borderline for her. You know? <laughs> she, she, she does it begrudgingly the whole time. She, she's kind of swearing on the commute. But, uh, yeah, one day a week is, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that'll work. If, if, they, if, they, if they increase that, she will definitely mm. quit. I'm surprised that she stayed just for that. Because you could you get another virtual job, you know, and and uh, we already we've already proved it works. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like why why do we don't need to keep proving it works. We we know it works, and well, we can make excuses why you can't be as collaborative. Uh, well, maybe make some adjustments to be more collaborative, you know. So uh, I I don't. Uh, anyway, we're we're still on the journey yeah. on that one, and and again, you know. Fun would be part of that. Recognition would be part of that. And, and you know, or, or what I find is like, say, well, we're on Zoom calls now. How can you, you know, we can't do recognition. We can't, we, oh, yes, you can, you know, come on. You know, next Zoom call you have, before we get in our agenda, I like to just uh, take a few minutes and go around the group. And as I call out someone's name, I like everyone else to say what they most value about working with that person. Let's start with John. Okay, now Mary. Now now Sally. And 10 minutes later, where are you? Everyone's gotten personal feedback about what the people they work with most closely um, think most highly of, of, what, of what they do and their work they, they contribute. Well, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Make people feel, feel great about the job they're doing. I guarantee you that whatever they're called out for, they're going to do more of that same thing because what gets recognized gets repeated. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a universal rule, and and uh, and then you know you're gonna the group's gonna be a tighter working unit because they now have they have insights into each other and and they they know uh, uh, so it's gonna be more of a team going forward. So you could do that in you know ten minutes in the Zoom yeah. call. You know it's, it's it's I call it a praise barrage. You just take time and we're just gonna focus on praise, no negative feedback, just praise, just thanks and praise from open mic from uh, employees to other Love employees it. very powerful yeah, very simple very much so yeah. so we're going to turn the tables a little bit now and we're going to start to hack into your mind now of the 31 books and the 1001 ways to engage employees <laughs> we're going to try and dis distill all of that down now into the top three 
leadership hacks that you can share? What would they be, Bob? There you go. Okay. Well, here goes. I'd say uh, all motivation starts with the person. So ask them what motivates them. Don't try to guess. Don't try to just ask them. Ask them individually or as a group uh, would be the first thing. So I'm, again, my advice I'm going to give you is going to be very simple because this is what I, I swim in. Um, so a- ask the questions. Uh, take the answers seriously. Do the do the top one or two things that they mentioned. So today that might be, um, you know, and, and managers often are, are scared to do this because they say, well, my people are going to say they want more money. Well, maybe they will. And, you know, are, is that valid? Then maybe they should be paid more. I don't, I don't know. But more times than not, you're going to, I find that the things that come up are, are do not involve money, but uh, being thanked by someone they hold in high esteem uh, by their manager or upper manager, uh, as I indicated, being involved in a decision, especially one that affects them. 89% of employees say they'd like to have that. 92% say they'd like to be asked for their ideas and suggestions. And if they have a good idea, given autonomy and authority to pursue it. Um, so again, most of the, from my, from my uh, research and application of these concepts, most of the things that come up uh, surprisingly, amazingly, delightfully, don't cost money to implement. <laughs> just, uh, just a, a little bit, uh, you know, uh, behavior. So a little bit of insight, a little bit of thoughtfulness, right. and and then actually doing it. So it's not good enough to know you should do it. You got to actually do it in your practices and your daily uh, regimen as a leader. So ask, uh, prioritize, and and do. There, that'd be the three I would say. And it sounds so simple, but we get caught up in our busy worlds, and it's just one of those things that we don't pay attention enough to. So I love that. Great stuff. Yes. The next part of the show, we call it Hack to Attack. So this is typically where something in your life or work has not worked out as you'd planned. might have been quite catastrophic at the time, but as a result, you've learned from it, and it now serves you well. What would be your Hack to Attack? Well, I'd say uh, not just me, for a lot of people uh, doing a switching gears and and tack and and what you're doing when something's not working. So the um, pandemic changed work for a lot of people. I I made was making my living probably 90 percent of my revenue was from physically speaking at conferences and traveling to work with companies. And and that kind of all stopped overnight, actually. And so they right. go, well, okay, I can either, uh, so I pivoted to do, you know, uh, other things and to do things that were not in person. So a lot of that's virtual. So I've, I do, I've done a lot of webinars and, and I've been doing more consulting. Um, so, you know, I, I think pivoting would be my, my recommendation when something's not working, try something else and if that works a little better yeah. then do more of that uh or and i actually my my personal <laughs> strategy for over the last 30 years has has been if i've if i've got um three or four or four or five strategies in play then you know two or three are going to pay out and that's that has happened uh in in my career um uh, so that that i I think I think that that can and could work for anyone that 
if whatever you're doing right now isn't working for whatever reason, you could fight that and, and fight that, or you can you can change and, and modify and, and pivot and try something different. Maybe build off of what you're doing, do something something different, and and then um, you could try different things. Once probably work better than another. So there you get your own feedback right there. We'll we'll take you in that direction. Yeah. Paying attention to oneself is really important. You're often the barometer of those decisions, but we yeah. sometimes get a bit stubborn when it comes to ourselves. Yeah, and and uh, it's easy to say, well, this should work. It worked before. Well, okay, times changed somehow, and for whatever reason, it's not working now. So you can you can just you could sit in that uh, in that state for a long time, and you can begrudge why the world has changed, or you can yeah. you can change with it. I'm I'm for more taking positive action to make your life better. So the last part of the show, Bob, we get to give you a chance now to do a bit of time travel. You get to bump into Bob, who wasn't a doctor at the time, at 21, and give him some advice. What would it be? I would say I would double down more on my instincts. So I, um, I, which I think is good advice all the time to trust one's instincts, but you, you know, a lot of times we don't because we feel, well, we don't know much about this topic or, you know, and, and so we override our instincts, even though our gut tells you this doesn't seem like a good person to work with, or this doesn't seem like, you know, we, we stick with it. And um, I, I would trust my instincts more, yeah. you know, because when I've had those, they've been good. And um, I would have gotten even better results had I done more of that. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. Open myself up to you there. (laughs) Thank you for that, Bob. Appreciate it. So we're coming to the kind of top of our show now. And I think it's really important that we allow all our listeners to tap into some of the fun and energy that you bring to uh, your work and that your career has proven to be so successful around, Bob. How can we best connect our audience to you? Well, I've got... um... Wouldn't you know a uh, email and website? My email is bob at drbobnelson.com. That's D-R-B-O-B-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. So they can email me or uh, even call me directly, 858-218-5049 in, in San Diego, California, USA. Um, would be ways I have a website. My website's had uh, some glitches here lately, so it, it's been on and off, but it's www.drbobnelson.com. That's D R B O B N E L S O N.com. I have all my, um, I got, I've got an online store and, and um, a lot of my, my books are on that store at discounted prices, cheaper than Amazon or, or, uh, cool. you know, if you had, uh, um, and then, of course, the book is available wherever books are sold. My my books that uh, uh, Work Made Fun Gets Done. Uh, latest, the one before that is A Thousand One Ways to Engage Employees. And the one that uh, most people know me for is A Thousand One Ways to Reward Employees. Now in the new edition, 1,501 Ways to Reward Employees. So <laughs> those are... And as you keep collecting them, the, the, the books are going to keep growing and evolving, I'm sure. I, I guess, yeah, I guess. It's an ongoing yeah. story. <laughs> You're probably the only guest we've ever had 
on an international show like ours to give away their phone number. So fantastic. And I'm asked you for that. Yeah, no, I love hearing from people. I love helping people. And of course, if you have a, if you have an opportunity that you'd like to uh, looking for a speaker for your organization or for an event or for your association, I still do a lot of that and would love to uh, help you out. Awesome, Bob. We'll make sure those links and information's all in our show notes as well so people can dive straight over to your website and have a look at uh, some more of the stuff that you do from my perspective i just want to say thank you it's been super fun you've been really insightful some great stories and i'm just delighted that we're connected through this medium and uh, welcome to our broader community at the leadership backer podcast thanks so much for having me steve it's been a pleasure thanks bob i want to sign off by saying a thank you to you for joining us on the show too We recognize without you there is no show, so please continue to share, subscribe and like, and continue to get in touch with us with the great news stories that we share every week. And so that we can continue to bring you great stories, please make sure you give us a five-star review where you can, and share this podcast with your friends, your teams, any communities. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Leadership Hacker, Leadership Hacker on YouTube, and on Instagram, the underscore leadership underscore hacker and if that wasn't enough you can also find us on our website leadership-hacker.com tune in to next episode to find out what great hacks and stories are coming your way that's me signing off i'm steve rush and i've been your leadership hacker